All right, Spartan fans. How about that? Just like that, seven to nothing. Uh, seven to zero. That's that's a good look. Uh, I was listening to my good friend Steve Courtney doing the uh, post game for our Michigan State broadcast here on WJ, which you heard today. Uh, and the Spartans beat the Indiana Hoosiers twenty to fifteen. Now, my friend Steve Courtney said on the broadcast, and I'm going to echo him. It ain't always pretty, but a win's a win. And the good teams, they find a way. They find a way to get it done. And really, a couple of times this year, you know, going back to that Nebraska game, found a way. Haven't returned a punt for a kick, uh, for a touchdown in a decade? Uh, Let me introduce you to Jaden Reed. And, and the same thing today, and, and when somebody like me, who has questioned this Spartan offense a little bit, you know, I, I think you got to be put through the ringer at some point today, I think that unit was. And they answered. Look, this Spartan team offensively in that first half, they, just, they never really found a rhythm. They kind of just were spinning their wheels, and, and they really weren't. They weren't in any sort of groove. Heck, they punted in their first six possessions. That is not the Michigan State we had seen this year. Certainly got to give credit to Indiana coming off a bye, homecoming. It was a big game for Indiana. You know, two and three. They got a lot to play for in that situation. And and Indiana came out swinging. You got to give the Hoosiers some credit here. But again... There was no panic. There was no doubt. There was no questioning. And at the end of the day, Matt Coughlin came in, uh, kicked a 51-yarder to open the second half, and then Peyton Thorne threw a 12-yard touchdown pass to Tyler Hunt, who we'll talk about in a second, and the, the Spartans finished it. Wasn't flashy. It wasn't, you know, like a lot of the other games that this team has won this year. They did it a different way, and they found a way to win. That's what good teams do. And at 7-4, and four, top 10 team, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. And now you give the Spartans a week to prepare for Michigan. That's great. The Spartans are rolling. And, and again, what, what they continue to do, is not only find a way, but they continue to add different pieces to the mix. Like today, tight end Tyler Hunt caught that 12-yard touchdown pass from Peyton Thorne, but also on a little like double reverse, Tyler Hunt throws a a 15-yard pass to Peyton Thorne that went into review near the sideline, and it was a catch. It was like the, the, the Philly special, uh, except uh, further down the field. I mean, th- this team continues to, to find ways to win. It's impressive. You know, they, they haven't had a pick six in, uh, you know, years. I think since 2015. So you dial up Cal Halday, pick six. Defense getting it done. On a team that, this year has been offense first. 
They've been an offense-driven team because they're explosive. They're explosive. And they got it done. You got to give this team a lot of credit. Really, you do. And again, I I, I take you back, I take you back to, to the preseason. You know, this team was expected to win, I think the over-under was five and a half. You know, I had them at six and six. And now for Spartan fans, here's the cool thing, right? Because now you can, th- this is a whole new ride now you're on. Like, you expected to go to the state fair to ride bumper cars, and, and then you found yourself on a roller coaster. Like, this is a different ball game now for Spartan fans, and it's exciting. And now you got two weeks to prepare for Michigan. That's a this is a nice part in the schedule and and I heard Peyton Thorne in the on the uh, on the post game show on WJR after that Michigan State win, and he said, "Look, we're not really banged up. We don't have a lot of injuries. We've got you know game like we're 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 sore. We're you know we're banged up that way, but they don't have any massive injuries, which is you know hasn't been the case for Michigan State over the last number of years." You know, that, that defensive, or excuse me, the offensive line has been banked up for what has amounted to, you know, a few years at least. Three or four years where that offensive line just hasn't been healthy. But they are now. And, and, and Spartan fans need to be excited about this. And I think the expectations change. They change. I mean, you're at a point now where, you know, you didn't think you'd be. You know, I didn't think Michigan State was getting to seven wins this year. Well, they are, and they're going to get more. So, if it's not the offense getting it done one week, the defense picks it up. If it's not the defense or the offense, uh, Jane Reed's returning, you know, kickoffs uh, and punts uh, like, uh, you know, like it's like that's his main job. I mean, really, it's impressive. So you gotta give you gotta give the Spartans a lot of credit. And Indiana, again, Indiana coming off a bye, two and three. Look, they've lost to uh I have it written down here. I gotta find it. Uh they've lost to here here's their losses this year. Number two, Iowa, number seven, Penn State, number three, Cincinnati, and now the tenth ranked Spartans. Four. Top 10 losses. I mean, look, and, and and the Hoosiers gave the Spartans a run today. You know, that, that that Indiana team is better than their record says they are. They just got the raw end of the scheduling deal. But make no mistake about it. This Michigan State team is legit. And Mel Tucker, you know, again, I've said it for a couple of weeks now, and and... and Quite frankly, every week that passes and another win in the in the in the win column, it, it bears repeating. What this guy has done is remarkable. Overhauling the roster. I mean, you're you're talking about you know a different you know a different set of expectations. He's he's ratcheted that thing up. And once again, Michigan State has put themselves in a position that. In two weeks, in East Lansing, uh, they're going to be ready to roll. So, good on them. Good on them. Because uh, in two weeks, this thing's going to be fun. This thing's going to be fun.
Uh, all right, I'll tell you what. We got to take a break. We are going to uh, give you some scores around college football because some wacky ones today. How about LSU in Florida? Uh, that game was surprising. You know, we got jobs on the line down south. Uh, so the outcome in that one was pretty shocking. Plus, you got 6-0 and Kentucky against 6-0 and Georgia, the number one team in the country. We got a top 15 matchup there. We'll let you know what that one is. And then we got another top 10 team on Upset Alert. Talk about that next. All right, we got a couple of interesting games on this uh, Saturday. Uh, first of all, by the way, uh, we're going to take you till 7.30 tonight as opposed to our normal 7 o'clock. Uh, we're going to take you up right until we carry Ole Miss, Tennessee. Uh, that's coming up from Knoxville at 7.30. We got the game for you here on WJR, so keep us tuned in because uh, that's going to be a good one. In the meantime, a uh, couple of interesting top 25 games today, including Georgia hosting Kentucky. Kentucky, uh, the 11th-ranked team in the country, they're 6-0, and 4-0 in the SEC. Kentucky, yeah, uh, they're playing for some pretty good football, but they're up against Georgia. Georgia's a different monster here. <laughs> and uh, the Wildcats, uh, look, you know, holding Georgia to 24 points is good on them, but Georgia leads that thing 20, excuse me, 24 to 7, uh, really started the fourth quarter there. So um, you, you got to give Kentucky some credit there defensively, holding Georgia to 24 points, but but they just haven't been able to muster up a ton of offense, and, and I think that's what's going to come back to bite them. Meanwhile, Iowa. Uh, who's had some pretty big games this year. They're the number two team in the country, mind you. Um, they are on full-blown upset alert. They're in. They're at Kinnick Stadium, and Purdue's leading this thing 24-7 to with about 11 minutes to go. And now Purdue just stopped them on a third and short. It's fourth and one now at the Purdue 10. Um, Aiden O'Connell for Purdue today, 27 for 37 for 360 and uh, two scores. Tyler Goodson, uh, who is a very good running back, 12 carries for 68 yards. Uh, And David Bell, 10 catches, get this, 227 yards through the air and a touchdown for the uh, sure-handed receiver from Purdue. Uh, that's pretty interesting. Meanwhile, elsewhere, uh, Baylor on top of number 19 BYU. Baylor falling out of the top 25. They lead it 31-14 to with 13 minutes to go in the fourth. Hey, can we talk about Cincinnati for a second? They beat UCF today 56-21, which wasn't a surprise. But, but Cincinnati on their resume... Um, is pretty le- I mean look they beat Indiana on the road they they go to Notre Dame and beat Notre Dame by 11 24 to 13 I mean look they're the number 3 team in the country Jason here's my question is does a team like Cincinnati a non-power 5 school do they make the playoff if they if they hold pat if they go if they win out if they if they run the table and let me tell you who who they who else they got on their schedule uh next week they go to navy they go to lane uh to Tulane the week after um 
Then they've got a home date with Tulsa at USF versus uh, SMU and that, and then at Eastern Carolina. Is that a strong enough schedule? I mean, really, you've got you've got really one win, right? Like you've got the Notre Dame win on the road, impressive. You got the win against Indiana on the road, less impressive, but better than the other wins that they've got. With that schedule, if they win out, do they get into the college football playoff? Well, right now, they're happy about seeing what's happening to Iowa because they can move up to number two. But I have heard people talking about Cincinnati, and they're, they've got the 89th. Um, they're, they're, the rest, their remaining schedule is ranked 89th in the country. So right. they could be that team that everybody talks about every year of wanting, you know, wanting the expansion yep. in, the play, in the playoff. Um, I would say... I would say right now, yes, they do deserve a chance, but it's going to be what everybody else around them does. Yeah, and I mean, look, I think when you start looking at what, what the rest of you know what the rest of these teams are looking at, uh, you know, uh, I it's hard to say because for me, I just don't know if that schedule is good enough. I mean, really, you've got one good win, really one. Right, and they've and, only got and, one ranked team as of right now left on the schedule too, and it's correct. SMU. You know. Correct, and they're the twenty third team in the country. I mean, like, look, that that to me is not good enough. And then I think you look at teams like Alabama, and this is where, this is where this is going to get interesting this year, because this is like musical chairs at the top of the at the top of the AP poll, right? Like nobody wants to hold on to it. Alabama lost it; they dropped to number five, but they're five and one. If they win the rest of their slate, win the SEC championship, you're telling me somebody like Cincinnati would get in over Alabama? No, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, and, we've and seen this Alabama is, get in with two losses, so yeah. exactly. <laughs> and I think here with like Oklahoma, Oklahoma's kind of in the same situation. Let's say Oklahoma, uh, who, by the way, uh, won or they've got a they they kick off tonight against TCU at seven thirty. They won last week. They make the quarterback change. Um, let's say that they hypothetically piece the rest of the season together and then win out. Um, you can't keep Oklahoma out. It, despite, really, I don't care if they're ranked number four. They haven't looked very good. They've looked shaky all year. And so, again, you're talking about the, the four best teams in the country. They got really at the end of the year. This is what's going to make this up because they got a date with Okie State at the end of the year, and and that to me that game's going to hold a lot of weight. So I'm just very interested to see how this this shakes out. And look, I don't think people, I don't think you know teams like Ohio State are out of the mix. I don't think teams, uh, you know, certainly out west, depending on how this thing shakes out, Oregon could climb back into this thing. Although I don't think the Pac-12 is any any good. So I, I it, it's very possible that this is the year a team like Cincinnati gets in. And and Cincinnati, uh, they do have SMU on the schedule, who's six and zero. But the other team in their conference that's undefeated is Houston. Houston is not on their schedule, and boy, do they wish they were. No doubt. Abs- oh, absolutely. So look, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, to me, this is this is this is an interesting year in college football. I'm going to be very interested to see how this thing shakes out. And mind you, mind you, uh, I'm not making any predictions here, but you do have Michigan and Michigan State on the table. Like, that game on the 30th is a big deal. That's a big deal. 
and and you know, <laughs> I, I I would anticipate after next weekend and and really probably uh, going into to next weekend, the hype train is going to be, uh, you know, full bore, chugga chugga choo choo, because this thing is. This thing is going to be a mammoth game yeah, with big-time implications. Michigan better not be looking ahead because uh, they've got one uh, one roadblock that they should take care of. You know, so Yes, I agree. Everyone was hoping for the 7-0, and and we're only 7-0 uh, over 7-0 or one game away from that. I, I got to say, uh, and let me just, uh, you know, uh, gloat here for just a moment. I, I might have been the first person in Detroit uh, that called this. I called this probably about three weeks ago. Again, just 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 by watching how these teams operate. I mean, they're just different. They're just different, especially from last year. And and the way again, you credit Mel Tucker. He's he's overhauled that roster. They're a different team. So and and Michigan is certainly playing different football than they have been the last few years. And and last year they were dreadful. So this is this is this is. It's going to be a big time matchup on the thirtieth. Meanwhile, I got to throw this in before we go to break. Uh, Justin Flo is one of the best linebackers in the country. Plays for Oregon. He's out for the season due to injury. But uh, this is from a tweet from Bruce Feldman a couple of days ago. I've been saving this. Uh, Justin Flo is partnering with Beast Mode Marketing. Uh, was founded by Beast Mode himself, Marshawn Lynch. They've announced that they've signed Justin Flo uh, to represent him for NIL purposes. Uh, this is this was a portion of the press release that Beast Mode Marketing sent out. All right, I want to I want to I want to read it to you verbatim, so you get the full. And I I want you to I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to picture Marshawn Lynch. Picture him. And I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to picture him saying this, all right? So this is from the press release from Beast Mode Marketing on them announcing the signing of Oregon linebacker Justin Flo. Ready? First off, Lil Bra's a beast. And I mean, we share some of the same folks, and when they reached out, we got on the horn and put a play together. The main focus right now is for him to get healthy, stay healthy, and keep it rocking on the field. All the other stuff, NIL, branding, marketing, will work itself out. But that field and the classroom is where the real work is done. My squad and I are here to help him in any way we can, whether it be getting through, T-H-R-U, these moments in time, or ensuring he's making the most out of every opportunity while lifting others around the way, uh, along the way. I got to say, Marshawn Lynch is an absolute treasure. He is the man. And 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 the fact that he's now getting involved with the NIL stuff and getting the, and then you put out press releases like this? Come on. Come on. Marshawn Lynch is the man. <laughs> he is the absolute man. Uh that's good stuff from Marshawn Lynch. Uh all right, coming up next. The Pistons they had a rough one last night. Had a 20-point, 22-point lead. Almost blew it in the preseason finale uh, against Philly. But got some injuries to deal with. Cade Cunningham's banged up. But at the end of the day, Jeremy Grant, Stewart, these guys, kind of the, the future of this organization, the good news, they're playing well. So we'll talk to our good friend Rod Beard over at the Detroit News about that. Coming up next here on Sports Wrap, Chris Renwick on WJR.
Uh, look, I gotta be. I gotta be honest. I, I, to me, this is probably the most excited I've been about a Pistons team in. I it feels like a long time, and this they're probably going to start the year with some injuries. Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bay, Killian Hayes, um, and these are a big a, a big portion of the core, the young core that is going to be kind of the future of this organization, kind of the future of this team. Um, but last night, Jeremy Grant, 24 points. Isaiah Stewart, 17 points, 12 boards with the double-double. I mean, these guys are playing good basketball. I mean, really good basketball. Heck, I think Dwayne Casey said it was the best that they've played. Um, Rod Beard is with the Detroit News, of course, covering all things Detroit Pistons, and he joins us this evening on Sports Wrap. Rod, uh, it, it was a little bit of a shaky last couple of minutes as the Pistons blew that 22-point lead, but uh, thanks to a couple of the guys coming off the bench, obviously uh, Luca Garza being one of them, Josh Jackson the other, uh, they were able to get this thing done. They uh, capped off their, their preseason uh, with a dub. Yeah, and that, that was the only thing that Dwayne Casey said that he didn't like was the way that that second group couldn't hold that lead and he had to bring the starters back to kind of finish that out because of the 20-point lead in the third quarter. You want to try to give your guys a rest and get Luca Garza in and give him some more playing time, uh, mm-hmm. but that second group just couldn't hold on. Uh, but otherwise, that, that's a good win for them to be able to finish out the preseason, and it's almost like um, Christmas morning and, and you get a gift card well, you've got a gift card, but you don't have a gift yet. You haven't purchased anything. And that's that's how people are thinking about the Kate Cunningham thing is, yeah, you've got something of great value, but you just don't have the thing that you really want. And that's having him be healthy and ready to go on opening night. And we, it's still remaining to see whether that's going to happen. Yeah, I guess what's the latest on him? Because you're right. I mean, and, and, and justifiably so. People are excited to see Kate and, and people are excited to see, uh, you know, this whole cast together, I think. I, I mean, I think they've got a lot of potential here, and, and I think people are excited to see it. So so what's the latest on Cade? Yeah, he, he's been doing some light shooting drills uh, at the ends of practices, and, and so he's up and he's on it. He's dressed. It's not like he's just in sweats and sitting on the side and not doing anything at all. He is getting some shooting in, and I think they're just trying to make sure that he's 100% healthy. Not Don't throw him out mm-hmm. there at 90% or 80%. He's got to right. be completely ready to go before you even test it at all and try it out. And I think they're being ultra cautious with that. And I don't blame them. That's your number one pick. And if you get him out there a little bit early and he tweaks it again, then he's out for two weeks of a regular season maybe. And and anybody who's sprained an ankle playing tennis or doing anything else knows that that thing lingers. It just doesn't go away after a day or two. If you really tweak it bad, it, it's going to stick around for a couple of weeks. And and how about Sadiq Bay, Killian Hayes? They're also dealing with something. What, what, what's the latest on them? Are they going to be ready by game one? I think both of those guys are, are more likely to be ready. Uh, in, in Sadiq's case, it was more just a, a twist than a sprain. And, uh, mm-hmm. again, cautious with that. Don't try to get him out there for a preseason game that doesn't mean very much. And Killian Hayes was a, a concussion. Uh, looks like he, he had taken a shot to the head uh, going for a loose ball on defense. And he was sensitive to light, which is one of the things. But they're just taking him through the testing protocols where he's got to pass three tests and then another kind of physical test just to make sure he doesn't have any complications from the original. So I think both of those guys will be ready for opening night. And Cade Cunningham is the only one where I'm still kind of iffy on. You just don't have a good indication. But I think they they would love to start the home opener and the season opener uh, with him coming out in that opening lineup. 
You know, one of the things that we had talked about post-draft with you uh, here on Sports Wrap was, you know, the, I thought this draft was really good. Obviously, coming away with Cade was nice, but you had the number one pick. You had the you had your 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 choice of the of the litter here, but also. Um, I really was excited about that Luca Garza pick. I thought to me that was kind of one of the more um, unsung heroes of that draft uh, for this organization. And I remember you saying to me that fans are going to love Luca Garza. And, and I think that we're starting to see that now. Heck, I think fans the other night were chanting, we want Luca. Um, but at the same time, he is just a guy that lays it all out there. I mean, he's an energy guy. He runs the court. He plays both sides. I mean, he really gives max effort. And and, and that's something that, um, you know, certainly can can be infectious in a good way uh, for this team. And, and I think, you know, I, you talked about getting him more time in the preseason, which I think was the main focus, but... But I think that, you know, Luca is going to be somebody that that we need to keep our eye on as somebody coming off the bench that's going to be not only an energy player, but somebody who can contribute to. Right. And when you think about him being one of the last picks in the second round, usually you get a guy that you're gambling on that's not very skilled, but but shows some potential, maybe has a high ceiling and could be something. Luca Garza was a national player of the year. He, he can shoot right. from three and he's six foot 11. And the thing that bothers me, I think, about the We Want Luca chance was it's almost like he's a, a sideshow. We've seen that with Darko. We see that on college teams with the walk on, mm. the very the, the 15th guy on the bench, and you just want to get him a couple minutes here or there. Luca Garza's very skilled. He's not just yeah. some sideshow that, that you want to have come in for the last two minutes because you know you're winning the game when you see him. He's a guy that could come in and be. Um, in that second unit, if, if um, Kelly Olenek got hurt or if Isaiah Stewart mm-hmm. got hurt, he's a guy who could come in, and he, he's not going to be perfect right now. He still has some defensive issues in, in just uh, protecting the rim and doing other stuff, but he can rebound. He can, he can be a force in there that gets fouled and gets to the free throw line, and he knocked him down last night. And so I think that's the only thing about Garza that bothers me is that people kind of treat him like, um, like a Boban or, or, or like a guy mm. who just comes in and he's this sideshow sort of thing, this circus thing. Garza is really, really skilled, and in a couple of years, as you said, he might be a guy that can come in and, and, and play a nice little role for you coming off the bench. Yeah, and I mean, d- depending on how fast he's able to develop, I mean, you know, you turn a late second-round pick into something better, right? into a first-round pick. If, 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 if they don't feel like he's somebody who can contribute in a starting lineup, I mean, Luka could be a guy that you move for pieces, and, and, and I'm not... I'm certainly not advocating for that. I'd like to see Luca Garza here uh, for some time because I think he's going to be a pretty good player. But but I, I think I think again, it just kind of goes to the fact that this organization can find talent. They can identify talent, and like you mentioned, as a national player of the year, it, it ain't that difficult. But at the same time, when when he falls to you and he falls in your lap, uh, you gotta you gotta hop on top of it, and and that's exactly what they did in the Luca case. I'm curious to know where you think this team, where, where the ceiling is for this team this year, because I've been advocating for a while that that you know they're, they're, they could be one piece away um, from being a real contender in the East. Um, but you know, as you look at this roster and you see what these guys can do, they probably do need a little depth still, but at the same time, I I think that this team, you know, really could be pushing for, you know, some uh, potentially a playoff spot in the East this year. Yeah. And that's where it's hard to kind of figure out because you want, you can look at the point guard spot and say, Killian Hayes, isn't your, um, 
lockdown number one, you feel like he's going to really be the guy that has the ball sure. in his hands and you feel confident all the time with him. There have been some pockmarks there that, that um, his injury history, obviously, but then the shooting just worries you a little bit more. But then you look mm-hmm. at the summer league stuff and, and Cade kind of makes a lot of that stuff go away. The thing I like about Killian and what he showed in summer league was defensively, he can be at a top tier level, a kid that's six, five and um, can body you up. And really with, with him and Cade teaming together, they can give other backcourts problems that if you've got a smaller, quicker guy, then uh, you've got another answer for that. You can go with Frank Jackson or you can go somebody else there. Um, mm-hmm. And Killian can guard the quicker people, but at 6'5", he can guard the bigger point guards too. So there's a lot that's there, um, and that would be my only real concern, is that does Sadiq Bey take another step? Is is Cade Cunningham really what he showed? And I, I think that's a yes. Um, and is Isaiah Stewart going to be durable enough and stay out of foul trouble enough uh, to be when he plays the Rudy Gobert's and the Joel Embiid's, does he get in foul trouble and is he completely outclassed against those guys? So I don't see playoffs this year because I can't find five teams in the East that they're going to be better than. And that's you need to be better than five teams just to get to that 10 spot to get in the play in. Chicago's gotten better. Cleveland's gotten better. Orlando might be the only team that they're on the same level with. Everybody else in the East got a little bit better, at least. Mm-hmm. And you, you're just going to have to be better than five teams, and I can't find five teams. Well, they're going to start against a revamped Bulls team uh, on the 20th in just a, a couple of days from now. So uh, they get a good test right out of the gate. There's no doubt about it. I'd love to get your thoughts on this situation out in Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving and, and the way that the NBA is handling all of their vaccine policies because – Kyrie says he isn't going to get a vaccine, so Brooklyn says, well, then fine. He's not going to be able to participate uh, in, in practice or in games here in the state of New York as they uh, continue to deal with, with uh, their policies uh, regarding COVID and the vaccine uh, uh, in that state. How do you think this whole thing shakes out? I mean, Kyrie seems to be standing pretty uh, firm on, on his, uh, on his you know, decision not to get vaccinated, but how do you think the league's handling this? Well, I think the league is doing the best that it can do and just trying to say um, for vaccinated people, here's the the list of things that you can do. But for unvaccinated people, when you're on the road, you can't ride on the plane in the same section as the vaccinated players. You can't eat meals and you can't go out and, and just go to a club or go to um, a, a restaurant or something like you would normally. So there's so many restrictions on players and, and coaches and everybody else, too, if you're not vaccinated that they're just laying out the menu. Hey, if you want to do these things, you've got to get vaccinated. And if you don't, you, you, you can still be around the team and still play for the team, but it's a little bit less. In Kyrie's case, it's the city of New York who's saying uh, that the, the players have to be vaccinated in order to do it. And San Francisco is doing something similar mm-hmm. as well. So Kyrie is just saying based on that, hey, well, maybe I can play in the road games. And the Nets drew the line and said, no, either you're going to be a full participant or not at all. And so I think it just works out that either he's going to get traded and he said he might retire if he ends up getting traded somewhere else. So it's going to be a whole thing in trying to figure out what what destinations work out, what's the trade package that works. Um, And I think he's just going to sit for for a lot of the season until they're able to unravel some of that yarn and and see what all that looks like. But the best thing that could happen for them is they're winning some games. They don't really need them. And there's another team that that doesn't play as well as they thought, and they end up needing a point guard. And there you go. There's your answer. There's always something with Kyrie Irving, it seems. (laughs) Every season, there's something with Kyrie, something with Kyrie. Rod Beard, always appreciate the time, my friend. Thanks for, uh, for the chat. Anytime, Chris. Thank you.
Yep, you got it. There he is, Rod Beard over at the Detroit News. Uh, all right, coming up next, look, I, I've got I've got a question. And it, it's regarding this John Gruden situation. Because something just doesn't seem right. Something isn't adding up here. And I want to, I, I got to, we got to talk about this. Because it just feels like something is amiss. So we'll, we'll give you the latest on this story. Because it doesn't seem like it's being reported that where this information is coming from and, and what it stems from. So we'll talk about that coming up next. All right, welcome back to Sports Wrap. Uh, we'll get you caught up on some other uh, college scores uh, as we continue on. We're going till 7.30 tonight, getting you ready for uh, Ole Miss and Tennessee. That one kicking from Knoxville at 7.30. So we'll uh, we'll stick around here on Sports Wrap with you and uh, we'll get you ready for that game coming up at 7.30. Um, look, one of the biggest stories in sports over the last week uh, has been the situation involving John Gruden, the now former head of head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, it was leaked uh, through several emails, some incredibly nasty uh Things that were said, um, he owned up to them, apologized, and then more things came out that were nasty, vile, things that shouldn't be said and certainly won't be repeated by me. And John Gruden tendered his resignation, no longer the head coach of the Raiders. And and amongst all of this firestorm, amongst all of this, this, this news about John Gruden and these emails and the, the, the just disgusting things that were said, none of that should be, uh, you know, looked over, by the way. Like, you said these things, they're nasty, and, you know, I think in the end, the right thing happened. But one of the things that have gotten, that's, that's gotten lost in the translation of all of this, is where these emails came from. The emails came as a result of a now-completed investigation from the NFL into the Washington football team. Allegations of, you know, hostile work environment, um, an environment that, that allows and fosters uh, sexual harassment, all of these things is what this particular investigation was looking into. The investigation's done. It's complete. It's it's in the books. It's over. And the only thing that has come out of this, all of this, is a couple of emails that John Gruden sent when he was working as his during his time as an analyst on on the ABC family of networks, and the story about Adam Schefter writing a story and then essentially uh, asking uh, top leadership of the Washington Football Team to to basically okay it, edit it, and 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 again, m- my question here is we've got no results from the actual investigation as it pertains to the Washington football team. None. 
And, and this is the confusing part to me. As justifiable, as understandable that John Gruden lost his job, resigned, fired, whatever happened, as justifiable as all of that is, now that all of that came to light, and as justifiable as it is that, you know, Schefter gets some heat on this. You know, you're a journalist. You don't need the, 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 the organization to approve a story. So as justifiable as all of that is, it's, what's not justifiable is that all of this information is being leaked. All of this information is being, you know, given to the media. But the only thing that isn't being given is anything pertaining to the Washington football team. Nothing. This is the this is the this is the part, this is the confusion that we have. This is the problem that we are in. And and as all of this comes out and these and, and these reports I hope will come out. Um uh, to me, this is this is this is a problem that the NFL now has to deal with. And I hope that they do. I mean, I hope that this information becomes available. Because, you know, at some point, you got to start wondering where this information's coming from. You know, Derek Carr the other day comes out and says, um, you know, I understand... Of course, he's the head coach of the Ra- or the the quarterback of the Raiders, and he says, "Look, I I understand what happened. I I get why, you know, John Gruden isn't here anymore. But n- I don't think anybody's perfect, and I think that we need to see all of this information. He's calling for all these documents to be released. Six hundred fifty thousand documents as part of this investigation. I just you know, I to me, it's something that needs to be looked at." Because there's obviously more to this story, and and I think uh, that that this is going to continue to be talked about. I want to update you on a couple of scores going on because we've got some some games that are very close to being in the books. George about to beat Kentucky thirty to seven. Purdue is about to pull off this win twenty four to seven. They're about to beat a top ten, top five team, the number two team in the country, on the road at Kinnick. Kinnick, an easy place to play. But Purdue's about to beat Iowa. You got Baylor over BYU with uh, about two minutes left. They lead that one by two two touchdowns. Um, So, look, a couple other, you know, we got some upsets going on across uh, college football in the top 25. Oklahoma State beats Texas today. Uh, LSU... Hosting Florida, number 20 Florida, LSU, with Ed Orgeron's job being on the line. You know, LSU has not been good this year. They beat Florida in the Bayou 49-42. That's a good win for the Tigers. Meanwhile, Auburn knocking off Arkansas on the road, the 17th ranked Arkansas Razorbacks 38 to 23. So a couple of upsets. Meanwhile, you got Mississippi State Alabama coming up at 7. 
Oklahoma TCU at 7.30, Tennessee Ole Miss, which you'll hear right here on WJR, coming up at 7.30. Uh, more sports wrap for the next half hour coming up next. All right, welcome back to a little bonus sports wrap tonight. Uh, we're getting you ready for Ole Miss Tennessee coming up at 7.30 from Knoxville. Uh, we'll have that game for you right here on WJR, so stay with us uh, because that'll certainly be a good game, no doubt about it. I want to give you an update, too. Of course, we got ALCS, NLCS action in Major League Baseball. Get this. Um, so Boston, they lost game one in the NLCS, or excuse me, the ALCS. Today, uh, they currently lead 9-3, to bottom six, uh, and... Uh, looks uh, so. This is so Houston's up to bat, but Boston back to back the first team in MLB history to do this in a postseason game, according to ESPN stats and info search. Boston Red Sox, Boston Red Sox, back to back grand slams in the first two innings today. Back to back, Jason, I, I never seen that. That's no, wild. No, never seen that, but they're not out of the woods. Uh, Houston.